welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 157 for Saturday the 15th of June 2019. Coming up this week, it's all changed for my Paul J. Teague author name. My old thrillers have got their new titles. I can now announce the name of the author I'm collaborating with next. And the writing has begun, and never have I been so well prepared. So in the last five minutes, it's that quick. I literally just finished the writing, closed down Scrivener, grabbed a glass of water, and now I'm recording this. I finished the first 5,224 words of my new novel. And the new novel is called, it was called Taken on Trust, I think, when I spoke to you last week. We've now confirmed the title. It's now going to be referred to, in its proper title, its confirmed title of Now You See Her. So Now You See Her is the title of the new book. This is going to be a 75,000 word thriller. I've just written, uh, the ink is not yet dry, on the first 5,224 words. And this book should be completed by Sunday, the 21st of July. Yeah, 21st of July. So about five weeks, is that? Yeah, it's about five weeks, isn't it? When that book will be finished. So I'm writing roughly sort of 10 or 15,000 words a week for the next five or so weeks. And of course, it's that nerve wracking day. I planned the story out in great detail, in actual fact, this time around. And it's what I call the fly or die period where you start to write a brand new story and you just hope that the thing is going to fly, that you're going to be writing it thinking, yeah, yeah, this is good. This is good. This is happening. It's working well. And I've got to tell you, this one was straight out of the traps. Uh, no problem whatsoever writing today. I feel like because I've planned it so well, I know the characters, I know the scenario, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I had the notes all pre-prepared and I just sat down. I've had uh, three really good writing sessions. So I, I write for an hour at a time, but my, my writing is bang on an hour. So I, I, I finished writing that last session, which was uh, about you know 1,700 words, whatever I write in a session. And then the alarm went off just, just as I'd finished. So I'm almost writing exactly 1,700 words or thereabouts uh, to an hour at the moment. Uh, with the thrillers, it's been perfectly in tune. So yeah, it came uh, easily today, which I'm very pleased about. I finished planning the book last weekend. So this is a complete departure for me. Because I'm doing this book in collaboration, I'll talk to you who I'm, about who I'm collaborating with in a moment or two. Um, I sort of felt I did this with James and John with the, the three military sci-fi books. I, I feel honour-bound, duty-bound, really, to provide more of an outline before we start writing. I can't just make it up as I go along. So I need to, ha I need to give them at least a clear steer about the story, even though things may change. And I've been pretty planned with John and James, but this time I've been extremely well-planned. Uh, an editor would be proud of me, I think. So I've split it up into, it's a 75,000 word book. That's going to be 45 chapters. And I have written uh, planning notes for all 45 chapters. I've done my character profiles like I always do. Now, by profiles, I don't sit there saying Fred's got piercing grey eyes and he likes eating Toblerone bars and prefers three sugars in his tea. I don't do all that stuff. Uh, I make that stuff up as I go along. But I do cast my characters, as you know. So I create the character names. I've used a grid 
this time, as I mentioned to you, I think it was last week, where I have A to Z for first names, A to Z for surnames, and I type names in as I come up with them to make sure that I don't end up with, for instance, something I'm very bad at, three names all beginning with M in the book, and then it gets confusing. So that's another trick that I've learned. And I'm, I'm kind of deploying all of these tricks in this book at the moment. So we've got the name grid. Every chapter has the the, the points of the story, what happens in each scene. And then also, I, I wanted to make sure, uh, be, I'm writing this slightly differently, and this may even be a sign of confidence or lack of confidence that I've done this. All my previous thrillers have tended to take place in, in two time frames. So you always get before and then you get the present. And I don't know whether that's a lack of confidence thing, but this is going to be the first story where I have written the whole story with one point of view, one central character's point of view. And so the planning has really helped me with it. I don't think I'm going to have any, any problem with it. Not now I've got a plan. But it's all one point of view, no time slips whatsoever. It's all happening. Well, it's a, it's a past tense book, but it's kind of all happening in the present, if you want. There's no there's no flashbacks or anything anything like that in this story whatsoever. So that did feel a bit nerve-wracking, but I'm very happy to have the the 45 chapters plotted out. But to make sure that I sustain the action over those 45 chapters, I've put a little note in for every one of the 45 chapters that makes me or forces me to say, where is the action point in this chapter? Where, where are we going to get action or tension or reveal new information? I've tied all of that down too across the 45 chapters because I want to make sure that this book doesn't flag. I want to make sure uh, the inciting incident happens straight away uh, in the first scene. We're, we're straight into the crux of the story. You can probably guess what it is now. You see her. It's about somebody disappearing. And, and we're straight into the action, um, which hopefully will make it a good read. The, the other thing that's different about this story is that it's set in a fictional small town in the USA. I'm writing it in USA English, not UK English as well. So I'm having to, to take great care to make sure that I, I call it a what is it a gas station not a petrol station all sorts of things like that I don't call it a primary school I call it an elementary school um, so I'm also as I'm writing having to do little checks to say what do they call such and such in the USA but obviously uh, I won't fuss too much about that in the first draft a lot of that stuff I will fix when we get to the my, my first um, edit so uh, I should tell you who I'm collaborating with and, and incidentally last week's podcast episode I, I revealed who I was collaborating with and then uh, in a conversation with my uh, collaborator uh, realized that uh, I was telling you too early we hadn't actually confirmed that we were working together at that stage I mean we, it was as good as done but we weren't in an announced situation so last week's podcast had a very rapid BBC edit on it to remove 20 minutes of the audio so I didn't refer to the the name of the person I was collaborating with I thought I better not uh, reveal that before we, we've, we've said it's fine. You have to time manage these things. So I can reveal, and you may have guessed this already, but the person I'm collaborating with on this thriller is going to be Adam Nichols, who, of course, I interviewed just last Monday. You heard the interview just last Monday. And, of course, this collaboration came out of that that very interview. Uh, you always hear the official bit, and then there was about an hour of yakking after we did the interview, and talking about author lives and things like that. And I haven't, I don't think I've ever told you this before for no reason other than that it was just something that came and went. And that is that um, Adam has asked if, if I would collaborate with him before. He was putting together one of these box sets, you know, where people put short stories in. 
and everybody thrashes it on their list and social media. And often, um, if managed correctly, these things can get on the, the USA Today bestsellers list and everybody gets to claim themselves as a USA bestseller. And Adam had one of these uh, initiatives with a group of authors and he'd asked if I wanted to take part. And I was going to originally. And then I I, I haven't written short stories. It needed to be about 20,000 words. I, have, I haven't written short stories, obviously, you know, not for years and years and years. I, I write to at least 50,000 words now. And also, I was looking at my schedule and thinking, oh, that's just so much work. I don't think I can fit this in. And I and I ducked out before I needed a commitment. I said, actually, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I don't think I've got the time for it. And, and that project went ahead and I wasn't part of it. Um, so we have had a, a skirmish before in, in a friendly way in, in which we, we might have been working together. But as you've heard, or if you listen to that interview, you know that Adam is rapid releasing. And one of the ways that you can release even faster is by teaming up with people who write in the same uh, genre as you do. Now, my uh, the attraction to working with Adam is I've been following him for a long time, well before 20 books to 50K had even been formulated. We we met uh, on a, a Facebook site called Kindling, which again, if you've listened to the interview, you'll know was like a forerunner of 20 books. It was always talking about writing fast, getting the books out fast and all the techniques that you need to sell books. So it very much was a forerunner of 20 books to 50k, but you, you probably won't have heard of it. But that's where I first encountered Adam. I realized he was a, a UK author writing thrillers, exactly the same kind of thing as I did, psychological thrillers. Adam was always a couple of steps ahead of me. He always has been since I, I met him. He'd started writing earlier than me. And so he's been on my radar for a long time. When I, when I joked to him about stalking him, what I mean is he's been on my radar for ages and I, I've been interested in what he's doing. Um, so it's a great, really culminating of that that uh, you know I met him at 20 books London I interviewed him twice now on the podcast and we've just got to get to know each other as you as you do so um we, we talked about collaboration he wants to release books faster I wanted to I, I'm keen to work with him because uh, it, it makes it makes perfect sense the whole point of collaborating with John and James Evans is that they've got a good strong brand in military science fiction uh, I get to ride on the coattails of that brand. They get to get more books out faster because obviously I can write fast. I get stuff out fast and it's reasonably accurate when it comes out. Um, so, you know, what's in it for them? They get more books written in their brand style and they get them out faster. What's in it for me? when I get to jump on the coattails of somebody who's doing better than I am. Um, or they've got a better brand, a stronger brand than I have. And so, uh, so it is with Adam. As you know, Adam's had a, a, what is it? A six figure year. He's doing extremely well. He's cracked this rapid release business. And I, I get to get a piece of that action. If I team up with him, what does he get? Well, he gets somebody to write a brand new book. I've created a whole new series. He will have a book in five weeks. Um, my book's going to be first past the post, I think, so that we're going to be releasing it right at the beginning of his rapid, his next rapid release sequence of books. So we'll be re- releasing that book on the 9th of September. And he knows he can rely on me to get that book out. It'll all be edited, done and dusted by the date that I say it will. So I'm, I'm lucky that I've got that reputation as somebody who just gets on with it and gets the work done. You know, you won't have any, um, you won't have any nonsense from me. You know, the only, re- the only reason you'll get nonsense is if I'm laid up in a hospital bed and I, I can't write, you know, the work, the work will get done. There won't be any excuses um so re- death of me or somebody else is the only thing that stops me usually uh, so, so uh, as you've seen from this year you know we've had a death in the family it doesn't usually it disrupts me but it doesn't usually stop me 
Um, so you never say never, but um, you know the book the book will be done on that time scale and delivered on that time scale. And when you're collaborating with people, you need to know that you know you can't be taking flaky people. You can't have people saying, "Oh, I've changed my mind," uh, or "I've decided to drop out." You know, you need to keep people informed at every step of the process, particularly if there's going to be a delay. And as uh, somebody who used to manage people when I was at the BBC, uh, I, the way I always used to work was we we would agree um, we would agree the the project, we would agree the deadlines. Um, they would ask sort of questions and I'd just let them get on with it. Uh, I was not a micromanager. Uh, and I'd say to them, you know, if you, if you need any coaching from me, any input from me, because you're stuck on something, or if something sub- changes substantially, let me know the big stuff. But otherwise, you know, get on with it. Unless I hear from you otherwise, I'd expect it to be delivered on the time scale that we've agreed. And that's kind of how I work with other people. And that's how, um, I, uh, you know, if, if they're working for me, and that's what I do with other people if I'm working with them. You know, we, we agree the scope. Um, I like it all agreed up front. And then we just get on with it. And I will pop up with the product delivered at the appointed time, which is what I'll do with this project. So I'm really looking forward to working with Adam. And uh, this book will now form the first book of my rapid release. Uh, originally, I was going to launch with So Many Lies, or I was thinking about launching with Left for Dead, the one I've just finished writing. But it's good to be, it makes perfect sense for me to launch with Adam, a collaboration with Adam. Adam's a much more um, established author than I am. He's got uh, an audience of people waiting for this book. Uh, so I'll launch with this one. Then we'll go into So Many Lies, Left for Dead, and then we'll go into the the other books that I've written, The uh, you know, all the ones, um, what is it? all the titles I can't remember I'm so confused about my titles because I've been renaming the books this week too I am so confused I've written so many titles down in the last week I've got a piece of paper by my desk here I've just become obsessed by writing titles I've got two pieces of paper here that are full of titles for thrillers just phrases and words that work really well on thrillers and, and they're coming out my ears at the moment. I don't know whether I'm coming or going <laughs> with book titles. So please excuse me if I get even more muddled up with with book titles than I, I have done previously. But hopefully you can forgive me for that. But uh, yeah, so we're going to launch uh, Adam's book first and then we'll get on to, to my books. And I'll talk to you at the end of this episode a bit more about this, but I'm, I'm going to give you a big summary of my rapid release plans in next week's uh, episode because I, I it is getting confusing it is shifting sands but I have actually tied it down pretty well now we've got this collaboration sorted and the time scale for that sorted it always feels great to have started a brand new book it always feels a massive sense of relief when you think yeah I got this I got these characters I got this story this is fine uh, I'm in the zone so uh, I can I can say to you that I've I've got good confidence with this story I'm writing again on Sunday, so I'm not writing tomorrow. I'm doing quite a lot of editing tomorrow, but I will be writing again on Sunday. What better way to celebrate Father's Day than uh, writing 5,000 words? Uh, I will be doing something nice for Father's Day too, but I'm going to get the words written. And then uh, next week, it's funny, you see, it's quite a slow start to this story because next week uh, we're going away, which is the reason I'm going to record a a slightly different episode next week. I'll I'll tell you about that later. But... um, it's going to be a slow start. So 5,000 words today, 
another 5,000 words on Sunday the 16th, and then I won't get the chance to write next week until Sunday the 23rd. So I'll only be up to 15,000 words next week, and thereafter I'm writing three days a week until the book's finished. So um, 15,000, 15,000, 15,000, 15,000, the initial 15,000 that I'm writing over two weeks, that's just 75,000 in the pot. So uh, just for domestic reasons, uh, my, my time is, is uh, squeezed, but the book will be written by 21st of July and I do have some wriggle room in that time as well so if something did crop up that stopped me writing one day if I was ill or something like that I do have some wriggle room even with that tight uh, time scale. So uh, I posted on Twitter this week that uh, I, I put a little gif or gif whatever you like to call them of a spinning head and said no wonder I'm confused this week. I'm, not only was I finishing my plans for now you see her, the book I've been writing today. I've also been editing Left for Dead, and I got so many lies back from Helen Fazal. So, so many lies. Helen had done her full edit on it. I then worked through all her recommendations and make the changes. And I sent it back to Helen, and she does what is effectively a light read, stroke like light edit. It's a it's a that's a final proofread if you want. Just looking for those final things that we might have missed. She's just put a handful, literally a handful of little changes and suggestions. And I will either on Saturday or Sunday, probably Saturday actually, just clock through those, just go through them and fix the final version of so many lies. And I will then be sending that out to my beta readers as a finished version on Sunday. So again, that book went out to, to, I, I, I mean, uh, people call them alpha beta readers, whatever. When I say beta readers, I just mean I'm not selling it. I'm selling, I'm sending it out to a list of people who will read it and, you know, proofread it and tell me errors. So whatever stage, I'm sure I'm getting the terminology wrong, but I call them beta readers all the time. They're people who read it before it's published. But, but with this line of betas, um, I'll just be saying, look, this is the finished book. This is the polished up version. Remember, they pretty well got the first draft version last time. This is really polished. If you could read it through, if you spot anything, just let me know. And, and then I'm going to commit that to Vellum. I'll commit the file and it's ready for publication, even though it's not getting published till September, maybe even as late as October. This one, it's not getting published till then. It's ready, done, dusted. It's ready to go at that point. So, um, so many lines I've been going through looking at Helen's changes, but also this week, my, my big work at the moment, what I'm doing in the evenings, when I'm doing my day job, what I'm going to be doing tonight or this evening, and what I'm doing tomorrow is I'm editing my first draft of Left for Dead. So I'm, I'm changing the format that I do my books. I, I, I don't know why I've done this, but I, I, I did. This is just the way I did it. So don't, don't ask me why. It doesn't really matter. But uh, when I wrote my books, if I wrote a 50,000 word book, it would have 10 chapters and each chapter would have three parts to it. It's just, it's kind of the way I wrote. So that's how I organized it. What I'm doing when I'm doing this rapid re-release is I'm splitting everything out now. So a 10 chapter book, 10 chapters with three parts is actually now going to be a 30 chapter book. So 30 short chapters, uh, chapters one to 30 is, is how it's all going to be titled. And that's how it'll be titled in the index. I think that's a better reader experience. I don't really know why I did it that way. I started that way and that's how I did it. No one's ever complained to me, but I just think this is a better way of um, organizing it. So that's what I'm doing. So Left for Dead was written in that style. Le Left for Dead is the book that I'm actually making that change with. So Left for Dead was written chapters. What is it? 75,000 word book. 15 chapters, each chapter had three parts. I've now split those parts out into chapters. So I have edited edited this week up to chapter. It says thinking it through. 
I must have edited up to chapter nine. I think that's right. Yeah, I must be up to chapter nine this week because I've done um, three parts each night. That's three chapters. Yeah, so I've done up to chapter nine of Left for Dead. And again, I'm I'm really pleased to say it, but I'm I'm enjoying the story. Um, I always kind of feel guilty because you hear so many people say, um, oh, my first draft, you know, it's a wreck. It's the scene of a crash. It's terrible. And I read my first draft through and I think, well, it's not. It's pretty. It's kind of pretty well there. And, um, you know, clearly there are lots of spelling mistakes and there are lots of mistakes because it's written so far. So spelling mistakes, grammar mistakes, punctuation mistakes. There's clearly lots of that. Um, and, and also the biggest thing I do when I come back to edit is I, um, I usually, because it's thrillers, I have to seed stuff. So I write the story, Stream of Consciousness. Then when I kind of know how it all ends, I often need to just go back and just mention things. It's just, it's a silly little thing at the moment, but, um, a paddling pool that, that, that features in this story, they're building a, a paddling pool in the holiday camp where the story is set. And, uh, I always knew that but it took on more prominence as I started writing the story. So I need to be mentioning that that paddling pool much earlier than I did in draft one. But it's just a sentence here and there. It's not it's not um, massive surgery. And again, I was talking about this with Adam Nichols over Facebook today when I was just saying to him the first 5,000 words um, you know, uh, will be done by the end of today. And we were just talking about, I was just saying I was nervous because I was writing the first part of the story, the fly or die period. And um, neither of us, I don't think, has ever abandoned a story. I've never abandoned a story halfway through and said, you know, lovey, it won't make it to the wicket, lovey. I've never, never done that. Um, I make it work. And I'm sure this is my BBC training, that that make it work. When you're doing a live show, when you're doing a live interview, it has to work. <laughs> you don't, you can't just stop and start again. And and I can only assume that it's that discipline of of just not being able to stop halfway through when you're doing live radio when i when i don't i've done two hours of live phoning and i don't know who's going to call i know roughly what the topics are and i don't know what's going to happen for two hours when you do live radio for two hours you just you, you open the microphone you say hello welcome to the show and you see what happens for the next two hours and if it if it's not going well you have to make it go well while you while you're there doing the radio show um, if you make a mistake, you have to correct it while you're doing the live radio show. So you just have to keep, it's a one take job. You have to keep going. And that's how I feel with my writing a little bit that all, all the time you've got the choice to sit there and give it a little polish and a little buff. You will. And, and so when, when I write, I just get on with it. And, and when I come back to my drafts, I'm reading Left for Dead now thinking this is all right. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure. An editor-editor would look at that. Of course they will, because I know that Helen Fazal does. But in terms of my edit, as the story writer, I'm there thinking, well, I you know, pretty well got this. And, and, and then clearly, I need to go through it and add little bits. And as I read the dialogue, I can improve it and things like that. I'm, I'm doing all of that stuff. It's not straight out, um, you know, straight out the traps and, and write. But I'm not... I'm getting the story right. I'm getting the order right. Um, it doesn't need massive surgery when I come to it. Um, but I always feel guilty about that because I, I feel like I ought to be suffering more for my art uh, with, with the book because I hear so many people say, oh, it's just terrible when I write the first draft, just terrible. But mine isn't. And and that's that's just it. And I've been, I always feel guilty about that. Um, 
you know, as I say, maybe it's just that the books are rubbish and I'm, and I'm completely deluded, but that's just how it is anyway. So until sort of somebody teaches me otherwise, or I'm, I'm told otherwise, I guess I'll just have to, you know, stick to that script. Anyhow, uh, where am I up to? I've got nine chapters of Left for Dead gone through this week. I'm going to be doing another two today, another three tomorrow. When do I get Left for Dead finished? Um, just looking at my uh, next week's a funny old week actually, so I'm not going to get much work done at all next week because we're away for a couple of days. So Left for Dead will be finished. Oh, it's finished. It is finished quite soon actually. Oh, that's quite interesting. I'm going to be I finished Left for Dead uh, Sunday the 23rd of June. So not too long actually. It's not too far off Left for Dead. I was forgetting actually. I was thinking it was a 90,000 word. It's a 75,000 word book. So yeah, it'll be finished a uh, week on Sunday. Then I will send it to beta readers. My wife hasn't read that yet. Again, unusually, I said to my wife, when I was writing it, she she didn't get to it till later. And I said to her, look, I, I know I've got to go back and change a couple of things. Don't bother reading it until I finish writing the whole thing. She, she usually picks it up as I'm writing it. So she reads it in installments as I release it. But I said to her this time, look, I know I've got to change some stuff. Why don't you just wait till I've finished it and given it a first edit and actually you'll get a cleaner read. You'll you. I always say to her, you have to always allow for the fact that but it's, while you're reading it, you really are getting the stream of consciousness and I will make some changes. So sometimes she points things out and say, yeah, I know that I've, I've made a note of that. Yeah, I know I've got to do that or clarify that. So um, she's actually going to get a reasonable version of the story this time, but it will also go to beta readers and then it will get edited. I got such a brilliant edit from my beta readers when I sent them so many lies. There's nowhere missing out on that again. And uh, I have a, a list of beta readers. I forgot what I call them now. It's something like excellent beta readers or you know brilliant beta readers, whatever I've called them. Uh, they don't necessarily know that, but I've put them into a special list because they did a superb beta read of So Many Lies. There are about five people, all of them ladies, incidentally, um, who just did a brilliant read. I added another one this week, actually, somebody who emailed me to say, I just, I, um, it was such an effusive email. She'd left, uh, she'd just read Left for Dead. She wrote to me and said, I read Left for Dead and then couldn't stop reading and read One Fatal Error straight afterwards. And I was reading from something like midday through to 4 a.m. or something. And, and I said to her, and she just, she said what she liked about the book. And I dropped her a note and said, look, you sound to me like a perfect beta reader. What, what, what you want, I think, is an effusive beta reader is a, you know, so, is a, is a fan, somebody who loves your work, but who will also um, critique it. Um, in a kind of loving, constructive way that essentially they want to love your work. They love your style, but they'll help you to get it right and help you to get it perfect. And I just said to her, happy to, would you be happy to beta read? You know, you sound, this is brilliant, um, useful feedback. So she's another beta reader. Um, so I, I've got kind of a team of beta readers who are kind of, um, what should, what should we call it? Take it or leave it, beta reader. So if you've got beta readers, you'll know this. You'll know that you send a book out. Some people don't um, look at it or beta read. Some people send you beta reads and it's not really very helpful. They might have spotted a few spelling mistakes or something like that, but the feedback isn't really what you're looking for. I don't really want feedback. This is, oh, it's a great story. I enjoyed it. I don't want that. That's It's very nice to know if you enjoyed the story, but I need some constructive criticism. I need to know what's right. I need spelling mistakes. I need to know what bored you in the plot or confused you in the plot at that stage. I don't just want a pat on the back at that stage. I want a pat on the back when I've released it. It's been through that process. That's, that's why I'm looking for pats on the back when it should be as good as it is. But at this stage, I'm looking for constructive uh, feedback, things that will help me make the book different. So I mean, you'll know if you've got beta readers that you get beta readers like that. I'm still quite happy to send it out to those people because it, it is still nice to know if people enjoy the book. 
um, even if they don't give you some useful criticism on it. But these these excellent beta readers, I mean, they they gave me an edit that I would pay for. Frankly, it was such a good edit, uh, five or six of them. So I, I'm definitely using them. And also, again, you see, when I send, I think it's a different kind of beta read to get one of my first drafters where there's all sorts of errors in it and to beta read that and give me feedback compared to if I just send you effectively a book that just needs a final proofread, which is what I'm doing with so many lines this weekend. It's a, it's a much less of a commitment to just read a book through just for the final spelling mistakes. You might come up with maybe two or three, something like that. And that's pretty well all the mistakes you should be finding at that stage, if, if any at all by that stage. Um, whereas a draft one kind of beta read, that's a really quite a tough, uh, it's quite a tough proposal, that isn't it? So, um, yeah. So, so many lies will go out, and then so will Left for Dead when I've when I've read that, and um, you know, it's just a constant, constant editing and fixing. When I finish uh, Left for Dead edit, which is next Sunday, I'm then moving on to what will be a very light edit of of Dead of Night. So, Dead of Night is one I've written already. It's been edited by Helen Fazal, but I'm um, I've already taken the vellum files and I've split the. Uh, Dead of Night is a 10-chapter book, so it was written as 10 chapters, three sections each. I've split it in vellum, vellum now into 30 chapters, and Dead of Night will get a light read. So it, I will just read it through, and then um, I guess with the, the, the benefit of hindsight, I look at the reviews that I've had on it, any little tweaks and changes I'll make in the re-edit, and then it will get retitled, and that will be what I release uh, later on in the year. But it will only be a lightweight edit, Dead of Night. And when I've done Dead of Night, I move on to editing the book I'm writing now, Now You See Her. So I, I needed to make sure that I got enough words written with Now You See Her. Um, and because I've, I've got, I'm quite slow over the next two weeks, I don't really hit my, my pace until a couple of weeks time with this. I've, I can squeeze Dead of Night in because it'll be a lightweight edit. And then I'm going to start editing Now You See Her while I'm still writing it. So that by the time, <laughs> this is crazy, isn't it? So that by the time I finish writing it, the last chapter I've got to edit is the one that I've just written. So it'll be kind of edited. It'll be edited and the writing will have been finished on the same day, which means I can then pass it to beta readers and I can get it ready to add them in that time scale. So I know it sounds crazy, but when it's all on my planning sheet, which I keep referring to while I'm talking to you, it does all work and it's not too crazy. I know it sounds crazy, but honestly, it's not too crazy. I'm taking every pains not to get into that situation that I did when I was, um, you know, working with, with John and James, when I, when it just felt like it, I was doing too much and there was just no gap in it at all. I'm really taking a, a great deal of effort to make sure I've got that headspace because I'm trying to find that that magic balance there between massive productivity um, and results but not overwhelming myself or feeling that all I ever do is work I, I'm really taking great pains to, to do that and I, I do feel like I'm, I'm getting the balance right with that right now so collaborating with Adam Nichols really looking forward to that and I'll, I'll keep you up to date with how that goes but actually out of this project has come a second collaboration which I'm really pleased about and I, I had all of this recorded last week and then I had to surgically remove it because I thought well, I, I can't tell you all of this stuff yet uh, I, I haven't got the nod from Adam but I've got the nod from Adam now I could have told you this bit last week but I thought um, it was so entangled in the audio that I had to just surgically remove it and not mention it at all. So um, out of this has come another collaboration. And, and this all these collaborations, incidentally, have come as a result of doing this podcast. So 
one of the things that I would say to you that when you do a podcast, it's not just about money and it's not at all about money with this podcast, uh, as you would see if you saw the income that comes from it. But um, it's more about, for me, it's always been about the networking, I guess, uh, with this podcast. Uh, you know, the friendships and the connections that I've been able to create through the podcast. So the reason that I ended up collaborating with John Evans and his brother James was because uh, John listened to the podcast and we met each other at 20 books that opened the conversation. Of course, you know, John, uh, people feel they know me because they hear me on the podcast every week. Obviously I have to get to know them. I don't always know you, but you always feel that you know me because you're listening to me um, every week. So uh, John was happy to reach out to me to do a collaboration. And, um, you know, it's the same with Adam. We've got to know each other through the podcast. And so we're happy enough with each other to work together. Well, I'm very happy that um, another kind of happy coincidence like that has, has occurred. Um, Julie Cordoner has, is another friend that uh, I've made through this podcast. Um, usually people reach out to me on Twitter. We get to chat. Then I re- meet them in person at an event. Uh, Julie and I, we went for uh, a lunch last year uh, it, 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 because she, Julie lives in the northwest. I, uh, no, I live in the northwest. Julie lives in the northeast. And we, we met in the middle at Hexham and had lunch in Hexham one day last summer. That's almost a year ago now, Julie. That seems amazing, doesn't it? Um, and, um, you know, and, and you meet people and it's lovely uh, to do that. It's one of the things I love about uh, doing what we're doing. He's seeing all these friendly faces as you travel around, people that you know. And um, Julie reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and said, I'm, I'm thinking about moving into doing some editing. Um, and would you be interested in, in me doing some editing for you? I've heard that you haven't got an editor for your book. So I'd been talking about Left for Dead, saying that I'd asked Helen Fazal if she could do it. It was an unexpected book. I didn't expect to be writing it. So Julie had heard me say, I got this book, but I don't have an editor for it. And she said, would you be happy for me to 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 edit the book? Um, for free on a sort of trial basis. And at first, um, I'd said no, because I thought I, that book was going to be the one I did with Adam Nichols. And then, um, when I talked to Adam, his beta readers, his, his readers had read one of my books. And I, I think the feeling was is that my books were a bit, my, mine are very UK based, my books. They, they're definitely UK thrillers. And there was a feeling that I should, write more of a USA book for Adam and and I felt that too because I've been reading one of his books and and thought yeah yeah this is I I I need to be writing more like Linwood Barclay for Adam um and and I know Linwood Barclay because I read all of his books and and that's absolutely fine with me but I felt that Left for Dead wasn't the right book for Adam and he and he felt that that we needed a slightly different book too um so so I'm quite happy with that uh, which is why I'm writing a different book for Adam um, but, but that means I've got left for dead. I haven't got an, I haven't got an editor for it. So Ju- Julie sort of stepped forward and said, would you be happy to do this on a trial basis, really? You know, for Julie to get her teeth into something, uh, uh real and have a go at it. And, um, and I said, uh, so at first I'd said no because I thought I had an editing process for it. And then when I decided with Adam to write this book, which will go through Adam, Adam's editing system, though more on that in a minute. I know it gets confusing, doesn't it? You know, to try, try and keep up if you can. I can barely keep up. Um, so, um, I said to Julie, yes, it would be great then if you can, um, if you could look at, um, Left for Dead. Um, and, and then, you know, from that, we, uh, Julie gets to practice on a real life editing situation. You know, I, I get an editor. And what I should say about Julie is, is it, this isn't just like your best mate saying, I'll edit your book. Um, Ju- Julie has done, um, a very highly respected editing course, um, which is, it used to be Writer's Workshop, but it's called something else now. Jer- Jericho Writers. It's the people who do the, the York Festival of Writing. And there's a lady, I think she's called Debbie Alpen. 
and she does a very, very highly respected editing course, which I know from conversations with Julie that Julie's done. So I know Julie's well on top of the edits. She's, um, she does, you know, she knows what she's talking about with edits and will do her own edits too. So I'm very happy to have um, Julie looking at a book uh, of mine. And I said, well, let's see how it goes. I think always with an editor, you've got to see how it goes. You've got to see how that relationship uh, works out. Um, as you know, it's very important to me. <laughs> I know Julie will be listening to this, and you know this, Julie. Uh, you know, it's important to me that when I get an edit, I feel supported, that I don't have somebody judging me and, you know, poo-pooing everything I do. I need to feel that it's about getting the product right, uh, improving the product, not judging me and my lack of ability. Um, I, I, I paid Helen for the edit on So Many Lies this week, and I always, um, you know, if I get a good edit, I always thank for a good edit. And I, I, I said to Helen, you know, thank you very much for curbing my excesses uh you know my bad habits because that's really what i'm looking for an editor to do i don't want them to remove my voice i don't want them to take the wind out my sails um i want them to preserve my voice but i do want them to take obviously to get rid of the stuff that i i need to lose i don't like it being a a teacher situation where you've got somebody there who who is is saying uh, oh no oh spelling mistake another spelling mistake paul and uh you know that kind of attitude i don't like that attitude uh it has to be a sort of supportive let's get this thing as right as we can kind of attitude you know we're all on the same team and we're all polishing this thing up so it does as well as it can be so it's funny it's a fine old line isn't it but it is important for me to 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 have that i don't like that judgment in it i always sort of think editors um set themselves up for a bit of a fall really you know the grammar police this concept of the grammar police um I, I think you're on very dodgy ground if you go through life setting yourself up as perfect with grammar and spelling all right we're all human we all make mess ups um we're all good or bad at it to a certain degree and you know what we all understand each other don't we when we write something we all understand each other which is essentially what it's all about i always remember saying this when we went to germany uh when i did my i just finished my a-level german and um in terms of an a-level german i got an e at A-level German, which fortunately is a pass at A-level, or it was though in those days at German. So I just scraped a pass in German because I couldn't be bothered to learn the vocab. Um, but that summer holiday, after I'd taken my exam, I spent three weeks with a family and our common language was German. And so in a conversational situation, I managed to hold my own completely in German with using the words that I got. And it was not a problem at all. And then I came back home. I got my A-level result. And my A-level result said E, um, which would tell you, you know, barely legible kind of thing. And, and my, my, my point always is, is that although my German was not up to a high, precise grammatical standard, um, surely I passed the first test of whether you could speak German, which was to speak to Germans in German. So I don't like to get all snobby about this stuff. You know, to, to me, we're all communicating in different ways. And um, you might you might spot a spelling mistake that I've made, but it doesn't make me incompetent or any lesser than you because my grammar might not be spot on and my spelling might not be spot on. So I, I do feel sort of quite strongly about that. I always feel like the world of education judges you and makes you feel like in some way you're useless because you just can't get spelling right. But I would rather say, well, let's look at the language. Let's look at the story. Let's actually look at the experience. And it is that succeeding. And um, that's really what we're looking for. You know, does this story work? Because you might be um, a fully-fledged member of the grammar police, but you might not be able to write a story to save your life. You know, to me, we've all got different talents, and we all bring different drinks to the party as far as I'm concerned. So I try not, I don't want to get snobby about that stuff. I don't really want somebody to get snobby with me about that stuff. So um, I'm very happy to have Julie as an editor. Now, um, 
one thing leads to another. So the arrangement was, I said to Julie, what I'll do then is I will put you with my brilliant beta readers. You'll go on that list. And um, so we've got about six or seven on that list now. And I'll give you Left for Dead. And then uh, that's probably going to be the kind of edit because they did a pretty good edit of that uh, for this book, just to, just to get it out there. Um, and then I did the collaboration with Adam. And Adam was saying, no, any good editors. And I said, well, actually, why don't we ask Julie to do this? Why don't we pay Julie to do this? And sort of what's in it for Julie is that we will give her, uh, so long as we don't all argue, <laughs> fall out, which hopefully we won't, I'm sure we won't. But um, if it goes well, me and Adam as kind of authors will give Julie a testimonial. We've agreed that we'll kind of pay her um, a, a nominal amount um, as, as a sort of thank you for time spent. So we wouldn't normally give that to beta readers, but we'll, we'll pay a small amount to say thank you for the time. And that will be our edit on the book that I'm writing at the moment. So um, it's perfect timing for Julie because Julie is very much geared to the school term. Um, she she does a non-fiction project that works around schools. So it's beautiful timing for Julie to do this over the summer holidays. Uh, we can help get that editing side of her business going and give her some nice testimonials. And, uh, you know, we, we'll pay a bit as well. We'll all kind of see how we all get on with each other. And, and, and it's a way of me getting the books edited because I hadn't anticipated writing these books. I need them out fast. And, um, you know, I need to know it, it, I, I would rather work with Julie than sort of just take a deep breath and find somebody that I might not get on with. So hopefully it's worked all round and hopefully Julie will feel the same about that, that we've all got quite a nice little arrangement with this. But as I say, it's just, it's all networking relationships that have come out of this podcast. It's just been so good for that. And um, podcasts aren't just about creating something that generates income. This podcast generates a small amount of income um, from affiliate sales and things like that. But its primary benefit for me is is the relationships that it's helped me to build. I love the relationships that I get through this uh, podcast, the people I've met, and then go on to meet in, in real life when we go to the, the book festivals and things like that. That I really, really value that. I really value doing this diary. It really helps me to get my thoughts, uh, all my ducks in a row, if you want. Uh, I, often I, just by articulating what I'm up to and talking about my plans, I often have uh, breakthroughs and I see connections doing this diary. As I've always said to you, it's like talking to your therapist every week when I do this. Uh, it's very, very beneficial. Um, so, you know, so I, 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 it's all very, very beneficial to me as far as I'm concerned. Anyhow, there's a lot in there. Uh, we're 41 minutes into the podcast already. That's where we're up to with the new stuff. Uh, but I'm, I'm feeling good today. It's always good when you've written those first 5,000 words of a new story. So what's been going on this week? Got a couple of things to tell you about this week. I did a Robin Reed's uh, promo last week. I've not used Robin Reed's before. I don't think I have. I can't recall it and I can't find a record of it. And Robin Reads is one of the services that Adam uses. And you'll have heard me moaning that I only got about nine downloads that I could attribute to, was it Bargain Booksy a couple of weeks ago? Well, with Robin Reads, frankly, it's only about 20 sales, which is not very good, is it? And I don't really know what's going on there. It's a funny old thing because, as you know, when I give away Don't Tell Meg Free, and that was the book I was promoting, when I give it away for free, I shift loads of copies and, and then get the sell through on the, on the read through. I get the re I make my money on the read through, but I've just had no success selling it at 99 cents or pence. It doesn't work for me at all. Um, giving away the front one for free is where I make my money. So about 20 sales. It's not very good, is it? I'd, I'd like to know if you've, if you've promoted at 99 pence or cents, I'd be really interested to know. Number one, if you've ever had a, a, a number of sales that excited you in any way, and if you did, 
where were you advertising? Please let me know because I'm really not having any success at 99 pence and cents. It's, it's, I've never done anything that worked for me at that price. I've only made, I've made free work for me, but not 99 pence or cents. So there you go. Um, and, and, and yet my book, don't tell Meg must convert because it's done it three times on a book, but it can't be, I'm assuming it can't be the cover, you know, the blurb because that, that converts as a free book. So I don't know if you, if you've got anything to add to that or any thoughts to throw in, please email me at paul at paulteague.com because I'd, I'd be really interested in hearing them. It's really important for me at the moment because I'm going to be using these promotion sites when I start pushing in the rapid release. And I really want to try and get this right. And frankly, if I spent on a promotion that only brought 20 sales in, that's not really very good, is it? I need, I need something better than that if that's going to work. And with that in mind, by the way, do you remember I just mentioned it that the I did the bargain booksy and I only got nine sales, maximum nine sales, and I wrote to bargain booksy in the feedback and said that wasn't very good. They refunded my fee and they also said that we'll give you a free promotion on reading stacks. Now, reading stacks is an excellent idea, I think. I hadn't really been aware of it before, but reading stacks is basically a website for people who are in Kindle Unlimited or readers who are in Kindle Unlimited. So if you're in, if you're in, um, Kindle Unlimited with your books. That means people can borrow them and read them and you get paid per page read. So it is actually possible. I was tell I was working with some authors locally yesterday in my corporate work that I do, uh, a couple of local authors who were quite traditional in, in their mindset. And I was saying to them that you can actually make Adam Nichols has made about ninety thousand pounds last year not selling a book. He's got it through page reads and, and people really struggle to get their head around that. So page reads are really, really important, but with reading stacks, you're pushing them to page reads rather than purchases. You're, you're, they're targeting people who are on Kindle Unlimited, which is a brilliant idea. I can't believe I haven't clocked this before. So anyhow, I'm on reading stacks. They gave me that free promo. I've nothing to report to you just yet. I'll tell you if I see an uptick in my numbers. Um, but to be honest with you, I told you that don't tell Meg currently for a three month period is in KDP Select at the moment. And I got to tell you that all the books in that series are getting page reads automatically without me doing anything in particular. Uh, this, of course, is a difficult factor for me to, to tie into Bargain Booksy and, and Robin Reed's promo. So for instance, when I, when I promo those, those books at 99 pence or cents, it's difficult for me then to track whether I get page reads as a result of that. But I can say that I'm looking at my page reads thinking, hmm, that's all right. We're getting some page reads on these books now. So, um, that's the Don't Tell Meg uh, trilogy. So my, I am, I am looking at my page reads thinking they're all right. Those, uh, that, that, that's a good number of reads. When you equate the reads to sales by page numbers, it, it's equated to quite a lot of page Page, uh, book sales. So um, I can't tell you whether Reading Stacks has, has contributed to that this week, but I'll keep an eye on it and let you know. But uh, but but again, I'm, I think it's a great idea. It makes perfect sense to me to have a, a book promotion site that only promotes Kindle Unlimited books for people who don't buy them, but for people who just want to see books, be introduced to books that they can read for free through um, their subscription on Kindle Unlimited. So I'm going to keep an eye on that one. And I would recommend that you, you check it out yourself. It's called Reading Stacks, and it's by the people who do Bargain Booksy and Free Booksy. As I said to you right at the beginning of this podcast, I have been tearing my hair out this week, writing down uh, names for thrillers. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Now, in corporate speak, you would describe this as blue sky thinking. I've been doing some blue sky thinking this week, and I am writing down. You know that I like... 
I generally like three words in my thriller titles. It, do, it doesn't have to be three. And actually, if I came up with something that was brilliant, I wouldn't stick to three. But um, so with Adam, for instance, we've used um, Now You See Her uh, because I, I'd come up with Taken on Trust. Adam didn't like Taken on Trust for some reason. I, and I'll save that because I, I like that title. That would suit me for one of my books. And we were thrashing around a bit. He came up with a title and I said, how about Now You See Her? And I checked in Amazon to make sure nobody else had used it. I think um, somebody had used the title Now You See Me, but not Now You See Her. And so uh, he liked that immediately. So that's what we're going for. But I, for my books, I generally try um, and stick to three words. And I mean, just let me give you a taste for this. This is Blue Sky Thinking, right? So some of these are nonsense. Remember, remember in corporate speak where we do Blue Sky Thinking, no answer is wrong. Even though when we're in a corporate setting, yes, it is. And we all know it is. But uh, when I'm doing it for me, I can just get on with it. So let me just give you a taste of how crazy this is. This is me coming up with three word phrases many of which are useless, I know, but I'm just writing stuff down because it's how I get my ideas. So look, grounds for termination, an honest penny, notice to quit, just the job, expiry of notice, dead end job, let it lie, end of contract, uh, termination date, uh, career limiting move, devil of a job, a deadly appraisal, dead end job, open to feedback, for idle hands, requirements for the job, uh, unsuitable candidate, the long grass, kicked into touch, Close of play, three three severed ties. That doesn't make any sense. I told you it was blue sky thinking. But th- so this is just me just jot 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 jot. You know, and then it, and then usually what you do is you get good ideas out of that. But I'm I'm going on overdrive with this at the moment because I was trying to think of a title for Adam's book. I'm trying to think of a title or, or new titles for my existing books because I've got to come up. I can't release them with the same title. I love my titles but I've got to come up with a new title to release them. So let me tell you where I'm up to so far. Um, and as I say, remember, I, I, I prefer my original titles, but I, I've got to change the titles, otherwise I can't rapidly re-release them. If you've got any brilliant titles, by the way, please email them to me. All right, all Blue Sky Thinking approved of. I don't I don't care what it is. Uh, I, I obviously reserve the right to say um, thank you very much. Um, thank you for your comments <laughs> and then not use them. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm desperate here. I, I, I've, I've got to get these titles confirmed by the time I give Stuart Bache's covers. And Stuart Bache is expecting the, the, this information by the 1st of July at the latest. I've got to tie this down because he's making me cover soon. So new book titles. Burden of Guilt is the original. And so the new title is probably going to be No More Secrets. Burden of Guilt changes to No More Secrets. Dead of Night. This is the one I can't get a title for. Uh, Dead. I love Dead of Night as a title. Um, and, and the best I've got so far, and this is going to change, but the best I've got so far is when daylight comes. Remember, these are thrillers, so they, they've got to kind of sound threatening or like something's going to happen or mysterious for a thriller. So dead of night, when daylight comes. One fatal error, one last chance. Who to trust? I quite like this one, by the way. Who to trust? Friends who lie. Friends who lie, that one's called. Okay, so that's where I am with the titles. Oh, I hate doing this. And I was happy with the titles I had, and I've got to change them because I can't release them if I don't. So if you've got any better ideas or you just want to do a bit of blue sky thinking, send them my way because I, I'm, I'm my ears are open at the moment and, and I've got to tie these down. I reckon really I've got to tie these down by next week and then I'm going to have to commit and give Stuart some titles. But I love my I love my titles originally and I don't want to change them. It's like It's like changing the name of your children. That's what it's like. That's how hard it feels. So anyhow, that's ticking along. That's where I'm up to so far with that. And I have alluded to this already. Um, 
I took this week, I've now taken out all my thrillers. So I'm going to use the old, this is going to confuse the life out of you and me. I'll use the old thriller titles for now, but at some point I'll have to transition to the new ones. I've taken Burden of Guilt, Dead of Night, One Fatal Error, Who to Trust. They've all now been delisted. They've been delisted wide and they've been delisted on Amazon. So they don't exist as books for sale now. They've disappeared. So what I did is I've now taken their vellum files. I've created brand new vellum files, which have the brand new working titles on them. I've split the sections into chapters uh, and I'm going to work through each one to give it a very light edit. Um, for instance, in uh, One Fatal Error, uh, the it starts with somebody's hand being chopped off. And that, I, I like a nice dramatic high stakes beginning. And as I've thought about it, I thought, hmm, do you know what? That would achieve the same effect and not be quite so gruesome, not quite as big a statement if you chop the guy's finger off. So I'm going to change that to a finger from a hand um, because I think it still has the same effect, but it's not quite so horrible. And it just makes a little plot thing easier too. And it's just little things like that. It doesn't matter which one I do, frankly. It does if you're the guy who's having a body part chopped off. Of course, it matters to him. But to the story, it's not that important. But I just thought, you know what? That's less gruesome if I make it a finger and it still has the same effect. So it's just very, very lightweight changes like that. Nothing major, nothing structural, just little things that I go through and think, yeah, I could probably improve that. I'll just make that a little bit better knowing what I know now. So those files are already, uh, they're all ready to go and I will start to work through them. I'll be working through them over summer, just getting them all ready for that rapid release process. Um, what have I, oh, the other thing I got to do this weekend, I told you this last week, uh, the other thing I got to do this week is I'm starting my price changes of the secret bunker. So I have a book bub on the secret bunker on Tuesday, 25th of June. I'm going to change all the prices on Google, Kobo, Draft the Digital this weekend when those prices have gone through. So that, so, uh, secret bunker one is priced at zero. I will then contact Amazon, uh, cause their process is much more clunky. Uh, and I will say it because I'm wide currently with that book. It's easy enough if you're not wide because you can just change the price on a price promo to zero. But it's a real pain, isn't it? It's a real pain when you want to change it when you're not in select. And um, so I'm going to change the prices on all the other portals. Then I will send Amazon links and say, look, you need to price match, please. And I need to buffer in enough time for them to mess that up and be slow and, uh, you know, make sure it's in, in time for the book bub. So I'm going to start that this weekend. Uh, that's about 10 days ahead of the actual promotion so that I don't mess it up and so that I can make sure those prices are correct in all territories. So that's going on this weekend. Uh, just a word about next week. So we're um, we're away, or I'm away, uh, for two days next week. I won't be around Thursday, Friday. I'm not working on Thursday and Friday of next week. So those are normally the days I do the diary. So this diary is getting recorded on Wednesday evening next week. So it's getting recorded after my day job. And then we're, we're kind of doing something interesting for the next couple of days on the Thursday and Friday. So I won't be able to record. And I was I will give you what news I've got uh, up to the Wednesday, but it won't be very much. And I was thinking, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to next week give you a read along version. Um, so I'm going to, you'll have the page notes and I would highly recommend next week that you look at the webpage for the episode. And I'm going to talk you through my rapid release plans. I'm going to give you dates, titles of books, promotion strategy, budgets. I'm at a stage now I've confirmed with Adam. I'm at a stage now where I can give you the whole thing rather than the sort of speculation 
and and the freeform thinking. I can actually just lay it out step by step by step. I can give you. I've got all the dates written down for the books. I can tell you which books getting released when. I can talk to you about why I'm doing it that way. The whole thing. So I'm going to bring you right up to date with my rapid release plans next in next week's diary. So you'll have a little bit, maybe ten minutes of just use, and then I will say, right, you need to go to this web page now. Take a look at the web page because there's a lot of information there. But when you see it in writing, I will be talking through that web page. It'll be a lot easier to follow if you look at the web page, and I will lay out in fine detail uh, my plan for rapid release. And I can tell you that the plan now, I could potentially be releasing and re-releasing thrillers and thriller packages from the 9th of September through to the end of December. Okay, that's I've got a plan that would allow me to do that, and then to immediately pick up by rapid re-releasing my sci-fi book. So I can potentially be rapid releasing from the 9th of September in this year through to the end of March virtually next year. So I'm going to talk you through all of that process um, and, and what the ifs, buts and maybes are in all of that in next week's diary. So I hope you'll tune into that. And if you are interested in rapid release and you want to find out how I'm going to be doing it, that's obviously one that you need to be listening to. So I've got more writing to do. I've got more editing to do. I've got more planning to do. I've got more price changing to do. Whatever you're doing in your author career, I hope you have a great week, a fantastic week of writing. I'll speak to you next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.